0: All right, good to see you guys. Um, we're gonna we're continuing in, in the book of James, and so we have little tiny Jameses here that you can get if you just want to follow along and journal there in the back there. Um, James is the type of book in the Bible where it doesn't really need much interpretation. He just kind of comes out and says it, pretty clear, pretty black and white. And I love it because it is so practical, and it applies to us today. James was written in the context of a crisis. People were going through some very difficult times. It might not have been a pandemic, but it was a major crisis, and James is hes writing this Letter to encourage the church, to strengthen the church. And the nuance that we might miss is that he's talking to the individual. He's addressing you, not the whole group, not the country, not the church. He's talking about okay, everything's going on. There's all these external forces, there's all these big giant. Big picture things that are going wrong. But you know what's really important? What's really important is your problems. Not the world's problems. What's important are your problems. And so this is this is I think this is so helpful for us. I know in my own personal life, when I'm looking at the craziness of this world, I have this tendency to focus on everything that's going wrong in the world instead of focusing on what is going wrong with Josh right now. Like, what is the condition and the situation of my soul? And then this is the, the importance and the power of James. We have learned lately that being in a pandemic has some compounding exponential Results. We are in a pandemic of a pandemic. It's going to be a heavy service, by the way. It's going to be a a tough one. Um, So if if you're new or visiting for the first time, I'm usually up here telling jokes all day long and giving you a feel-good sermon. But this one's going to be a little bit tough. But considering everything that's going on in the world, the church needs to talk about this one. But we have found ourselves in a crisis inside of a crisis. That crisis is the crisis of anger. And that anger is manifesting itself in domestic violence. We're going to be talking about domestic violence as a church. Maybe you haven't dealt with it, but you might know people that have at least the church can be an answer to a broken world the church I'm opening the doors for people that are going through this right now we have an amazing pastoral counseling staff if if it's going on with somebody that you know if it's going on with you you need to just call me I'll take your call Mako will take your call. I know sometimes it's harder to reach out to a guy. I totally get that. Pastor Mako, my wife will take your call. Pastor Janie will take your call. Pastor Mandy will take your call. Our elders will take your call. We're here to help. This is why. This is what the purpose of the church. The Los Angeles County Department of Health, their social um, abuse hotline is up 32%. That is the effect of the pandemic. It's the effect of politics. It's the effect of race issues. All these tensions, all this pressure, it's manifesting itself, and it's unfortunately, it's coming out in the home. The numbers look like this. One in four women have been abused in this last year. They think it might be as high as 1 in 3. And 1 in 10 men have been physically assaulted. And they think that that number is also a lot higher because men aren't going to talk about stuff like that. So it's a real issue. I know this isn't a fun one, but we're talking about it, okay? We're going to talk about it. More importantly, we're going after the root of the issue, and the root of the issue is uncontrolled anger. Now, you might not be manifesting in in social violence, but we all deal with anger. Your pastor is one of them. Everybody deals and has to manage anger appropriately, and this is what we are getting ourselves into. Unhealthy manifestations of anger does happen inside of the church. Growing, I've been a pastor for 20 years here in this church that I love. I have grown up as a pastor's kid. I've seen it. And it is, again, something that has to be addressed. All right, so you have a little fill in in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to follow along. So how do we stay calm? How do we keep our anger under control when we are in a crisis, when we're either in a pandemic or we're under pressure? This this is going to apply to where we're at right now. Maybe it feels like, and I think that we are, we're coming out of the pandemic, but these issues will remain. So how do you stay calm in the midst of a crisis? Number one, We need to realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. It's going to cost you something. Like you might even be justified in venting your rage. Like somebody really messed you up. They cut you off on the freeway and you feel justified in, in acting out, whatever it might be. You might even process, we'll get into this in a minute, you might process anger in different ways besides just exploding or just reacting or acting out. But the biblical truth and the physiological truth is is that anger that is not controlled will cost you something. Guarantee it 100% true. So here is my practical illustration from my own life. The first time I saw domestic violence expressed was at a church conference. Somebody got into a... I was, I was little. I mean, I was too little to really understand what was going on, but it made a huge impact in me, and I still remember it to this day. It was scary. It was... Horrifying to watch. And that anger was never brought under control. It was never submitted to the Lord. It was, it was, somebody didn't go to anger management class. And it it cost. It cost this person his family, his children. Because it was never managed, it cost him his life. He died in his 30s of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, whatever you want to call it. It took him way too long. So we do know that anger it will cost you something. Proverbs 15:18 says, "Hot tempers that cause arguments." Like you can get hot. Again, we're going to talk about this. Everybody gets angry. Everybody gets frustrated. But when you get hot, it will cause an argument. It may be an argument that doesn't even need to take place. Proverbs 29.22 says, A hot-tempered man, you could add woman in there if you like, gets himself into all kinds of trouble. It, It magnifies issues. People with hot temper hot tempers they do foolish things Proverbs 14 And Proverbs 11:29 says the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left So if anger is a culture inside of your home if it is something that you are modeling to your children, if it's something that is act, acted upon, uh, just like the individual that I know, eventually you won't have anything left. It will, it will take it all away. Number two, I want to encourage you to resolve to manage your anger. Like We've got to do it now. Like right now, you're probably not angry, unless you're angry at me talking about anger. Um, so chances are you're probably not angry right now, but you will be. Like Monday, Monday around 4 o'clock when you're getting off work, and the boss asks you to work a little la- later, you will get angry. Later, when you find out that, I don't I have a puppy, and he's chewing everything up, I will get angry later. It's going to happen. I have to today, this Sunday, in the Lord's Day, and then maybe tomorrow morning when I'm praying, I need to resolve it in my mind and in my prayer life that when, and not if, but when that moment happens, I resolve in advance not to, not to lose it. And the truth of the matter, if you review your calendar, if you review your time, you know when it is you get angry, you know when it is you lose it. You know it, you know when and what circumstances causes you to lash out in certain ways. So let's just do the work now before it happens. Let's be proactive and resolve to end it first. This is what's really going on. This is a James chapter four verse one. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war, ready for this, within you? That's the source of it all, everybody. That it is You are warring w- within yourself. You might be thinking you're fighting your boss. You might be thinking you're fighting the government. You might be thinking you're fighting your family Or fighting the man. The truth of it is, is that you are at war with inside of yourself. And if all of your problems miraculously went away. The pandemic floated off the planet. We have a perfect utopia where everybody loves their government. You have the perfect little family life. If you do not take care of the war inside of yourself, you'll find something else to fight about. You'll find something else to war against. The war takes place inside of you. If you find yourself completely consumed with all the external forces and pressures and tensions in life, and if that is what is consuming your mind, guess what? You're going to lose this battle. You'll never win it. The Christian lifestyle, the Christian walk says... Uh, I have I have a peace. I have a I have I have the security of the Holy Spirit welling up inside of me. That what the Lord has done for me by the death on the cross, that is where my security comes from. The world cannot move me. The world cannot change me. I stand on the rock of salvation. When James was writing this. His brothers and sisters were getting their heads chopped off. They were scattering the believers all over the place. The government was the most wicked system the world has ever seen. They were losing the temple. Their world was completely upside down. Is James talking about that? No, what's he talking about? He's talking about the war that's inside of you. You desire and you do not have, and so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, and so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, and the times that you do ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly. And you spend it on your passions. Back to James one. This is the beginning of our transformation. This is the beginning of wisdom. James chapter one, verse five says, "If you lack wisdom." All right, um, it's kind of a trick question. We all lack wisdom. If you ask, if you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach. This applies to me and it applies to you. If you're lacking wisdom in certain areas of your life, if you don't even know how to manage and control your own internal life, you just need to ask God for wisdom. He's generous. He's got the solutions. He knows how to rebuild you. He knows how to make you whole. This is the whole driving force is... Spiritual maturity in the book of James, he will give you the wisdom that you need. Wisdom, I don't have time to do the word study today, but wisdom and peace are almost the same language. It's almost the same word. It's like the same atmosphere. And so if you are after wisdom, you need to know that the oxygen you'll be breathing is peace. The Lord will not make you a angry, wise man. That's an oxymoron. The Lord will transform you into a peaceful, wise man slash woman. So you can't be angry and wise at the same time. Number three. This one's fun. So, we need to reflect. We need to reflect before reacting. All right? So, this is going to take something, it's a word that we don't like to say. It's going to take a little bit of self control. A little bit of self control, a pause, turn that filter on. Before you speak, you must reflect. Before you say something that you're going to regret, Maybe uh, play the conversation in your mind first. James one nineteen, verse twenty says this: "My dear brothers and sisters, always be what? Quick to listen." Part of the major problem that we're having inside of this crisis is that we don't know how to listen. If I was sitting in your sheets, by the way, I'd be like, "What?" I, I just. I, like I said, I can tell dumb jokes. I think that one's funny. It never gets old for me. <laughs> Quick to listen. You turn on your listening skills and listen long. It's like you've got to, you know, don't cut people off when they're trying to explain what's going on. Let them finish their thoughts. Listening skills. You ready for this one? This is always fun. Slow. To speak, slow to speak. You gotta watch what you say. You gotta make sure that um, that you're not allowing your emotions to speak for you. Truth of the matter is, you can't trust yourself, and you definitely can't trust your tongue. James chapter 3 verse 2 says this For we all stumble in any way in many ways we all stumble Even Pastor Mandy stumbles believe it or not and they're like I don't know about that one everybody stumbles I stumble you stumble most godly man or godly woman you know they're gonna stumble in my mind in my in my dedication to the lord the lord says we need to get better and better each and every day our righteousness needs to be the targets so i just want to stumble less does that sound like a good idea that we just stumble a little bit less than we did last week or the day before let's just stumble less but we're gonna stumble And if anyone is like Pastor Mandy, and if anyone does not stumble in what he or she says, she is perfect and able to bridle her whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also is the tongue, a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. How great is a fortress that set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Isn't that, that's what the Bible says about our tongues, about our speech. It is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members and it stains the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell itself. So your your language, if you're not mindful, if you haven't uh, if you if you haven't been thinking about, okay, I need to before I react, I need to reflect. If you haven't done that, your language, maybe even what you type, can be inspired by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature, we can tame those and it and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being has tamed the tongue. Right? Like censorship doesn't work. Not a fan of censorship, by the way, but that's another issue. But it doesn't work. You, we, can't, we can't tame what people say. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Ready for this? Hang on to your seats. Okay, ready? Ready, ready? With it, we bless the Lord our Father, just like we did during worship. With this tongue, we bless our Lord. And with it, we curse people. Right? I do this, I'll I'll confess, pastor confession time, it always happens in the car, it's not the first time I confess this one to you, (laughs) but I'm getting better and better each and every day, I called somebody a name just yesterday in the car, my daughter can attest to that, it happened, Now I called somebody a name, it wasn't an appropriate name, I should not have done that. There's also a bigger picture where we can curse entire people, entire groups, entire messages, entire denominations. So easy to do. It's, must, it's, it's easier to burn people with our tongues than it is to build them up. It's just easier. And it's funner. It feels good. It feeds our flesh. It's a part of our sinful nature to bash people with our tongues. But here's the kicker right here. People who are made in the likeness of God. Guess what? That's everybody. Everybody is made in the likeness of God, and we our tongues ought to treat them as such. You guys okay? Chapter four, verse eleven, same thing. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and the judges of the law. But if the judge of the law, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And here's the problem. There is only one lawgiver. There's only one judge. Amen. Do we know who that is? It's Jesus. I thought it was me. Turns out it's not. He was able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Ouch. Like I said, there's no need for interpretation on this. James just comes out and says it. Quick to listen, slow to speak, be slow, third bullet point, be slow to get angry. Proverbs 19.11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. Again, you're talking about asking God for wisdom. You're going to get peace, but you're also going to get patience. Wisdom from the Lord will say, Uh, Josh, it's time to walk around the block before you open up your mouth. Josh, it's time to breathe and step away from the computer before you fire off that statement. Be slow to get angry. questions for you to ponder. Why do you get angry? Like, why? Where does it come from? Is it environment? Is it, were you born that way? Like, where does it come from? Like, what is making you angry? Like, is it really? Like, what in the world is making you angry? Like, I get it. Like, there's a lot of things that we can be angry about. There's a lot of things that we should be angry about, and we just don't process it the right way. But, like, what is it with, like, what's really pushing our buttons? And I think you just need to ask yourself, like, what's pushing my buttons? And probably more important, like, what do I want? Like, what's what's the, like, I'm going to get angry, but what's the purpose of me getting angry? Like, what is it I'm going after? What do I think, Ready for this, what do I think my anger will do for me? Will it solve my problem? Will it solve the world's problem if I remain angry and lose sleep over this issue? Probably not. How can you get what you want from the Lord? Like, how do you get soothed from that? That will be actually point six. Okay, number four. Now, since this is such a heavy topic, I have a little palate cleanser. Take a little break. Lighten the mood a little bit. And it's like, I think we need a palate cleanser. Here's a funny <laughs> video. So let's turn down the lights. And if we could show that video, that'd be awesome. Ah, 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 jeez. Luann, sometimes uh, life throws throws you a curveball. Now, Now, there's two ways you can deal with it. You You can cry, and that's the path path you've chosen, or you you can not cry. How do you not cry? Well, Well, instead of letting it out, try holding it it in. in. Every Every time time you you have a feeling, Just stick it into a little pit inside your stomach and never let it out. Are you supposed to have a pain under your rib? Yes. That's natural. The body doesn't want to swallow its emotions. But now you go ahead and put that pain inside your stomach too. I think it's working, Uncle Hank. I feel sick, but not sad. There you go. Okay, hopefully that helped. Number four, we need to learn how to release our anger properly and appropriately. Like it happens. Like I said, things are going to push your buttons and make you angry. Angry is unavoidable. But what is avoidable, what we do need to make sure we don't do, is we don't sin in the midst of our anger. And we have to do it by expressing our anger appropriately. Tell you how I do it. It's kind of like the video. Whenever I get angry, I just cram it right down inside. I like, push it down, like I'm not going to deal with this right now, and I'm like, I'm not going to vent. I'm not going to. I'm just going to push it, push it, push it, push it down, and eventually, it's going to go away. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. In fact, it will eventually. It will manifest itself in stress, in tension. In physical sickness, some of you are sick because you're angry. And you just do what I do, and you just repress the anger. So you suppress it, or you just pretend like it's not there. I do that too. And that's not healthy. And it's not biblical either, just to pretend like it doesn't exist. Now, I've got permission for this next one. She's completely okay with it. But my wife is the exact opposite. She expresses her anger. Like it gets vented. Like it was like she's Sicilian. It just comes out. Like like we have to like, okay, let's see. Let me make sure before I before I say this, let me just get some distance. (laughs) Now we're both getting better and better and growing. And managing and expressing our anger appropriately, instead of me trying just to bury stuff deep down inside and you know building up an ulcer, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to not do that. And my wife, instead of exploding and you know wreaking havoc all over the place, she is not going to do that. So what do we do? What is the proper way? You ready? This is the, probably the key to the whole message right now. You don't suppress it. You don't express it. You confess it. You you take your anger, your frustration, your strains, you bring it into the temple, into the house of the Lord, into your prayer closet, your conversations with God, and you confess what you are angry about. I guarantee you he can take it. I had to do this last night. Like this message was, I was supposed to do this message last week and then at 10 o'clock got hijacked it and I had to write another message at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. And this is why. Because I've got a great illustration. Last night, you don't know this person, but Mako and I were doing a couples therapy session, and this big, ugly monster came out of domestic abuse. I was shocked. I mean, these are people we know that we're close to. I was shocked, hurt, and man, was I angry. So mad. Want it? Wanted, maybe still want. To give this guy a little bit of his own medicine. He's skinny. I can take him. (laughs) So mad. Like I'm just like, I even lost sleep over it, and I had to. I had to. I had to confess it. I'm like, Mako, this isn't right. I'm ticked off. I'm mad like, God, this isn't right. What do I do, Lord? Yeah, I know I can't beat him up, but what do I do? And it it is the confession of our emotions. It's the confession of our sin that is we're missing this in our spiritual lives. Our sins must be confessed to one another. Like you don't have to tell me. You don't have to go to the priest to confess your sin. You have, to do, you have to have a healthy relationship with the Lord where you and him are doing business together. But I do think that it is vital, the body of Christ, this is why you need to be a part of a community of friends that know you, that know the Lord, where you can say, dude, I'm struggling with this. I lost my temper. I got to get it under control. Will you pray with me? That's what the Bible talks about. So I had to express it. I had to manage it appropriately. Ephesians 4 says, "If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin." Yeah? It's so easy. And it feels so good. You get you vent and you get it off and like it would have felt really good for me to beat this guy up, but I didn't. You should be proud of your pastor. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer quiets anger. But a harsh word stirs things up, mixes up the pot. All right, number five is that we need to repattern our minds. Like, the war is taking place. Remember this war inside of us that we talked about? That's, That's between the ears. And it's about what we are thinking about and how we are thinking. And Proverbs 15. That's pretty cool. This is the New Living Translation, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the other version that you're probably familiar with. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. We need to change the way that we think. We need to think like Jesus. We need a biblical mindset. We need the mind of Christ. The version you might be familiar with is, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Getting rid of all this toxic stuff, all this negativity, having the mind of Christ and knowing how to process our emotions well, it might even require that you change some of your friends. Proverbs 22, 24 says, keep away from angry, short tempered people, or you will learn to be like them. So we might need to change a friend group. I know that's tough. I know you love them. Uh, maybe you are called to lead them to the Lord. But like who's winning this battle? Like who's influencing who? I was like, that's an honest conversation we have to have with ourselves when we are in the world trying to be a light in the dark place. I had, I had a, I can, t- I can tell you this. So, I had coffee with a pastor friend the other day, and um, he's telling me that he's a musician and he's playing in this rock band, and the rock band is a really cool, like, jazz, uh, blues band, and they don't love Jesus. You know, they're drinking whiskey and smoking and playing in, in divy bars. And and so my pastor friend is playing bass. I'm like, that's the coolest thing in the world. You get to hang out with some sinners and share the light in the dark place. And he's like, yeah, man, I got to quit. I'm like, what are you talking about? You got to quit. That's cool. I'd want to do that. And he's like, no, man, I got to quit. Like, it's affecting me. Like, I come home and I'm angry. I come home, and I'm thinking things I shouldn't think. i got to stop. It's not healthy. Like, he knows enough to know that his environment that he's placed himself in, it, if it's not the Lord directing, it's going to affect us. Your environment plays a big part on how you think and what you think about. So we have to manage our external environments. Number six. This is the answer to everything. Again, you might be like, I'm angry. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I don't know where it comes from. OK, Lord. OK, Pastor Josh, I'll, I won't express it and I won't repress it. I'll try to confess it. You need to confess it. You need to get it out. Here's the key. You got to replace it with something else. You got to replace the anger with something else. What in the world do you replace anger with? It is such a hard, driving, motivating force in the world, anger. If you don't believe me, turn on the news. Anger has so much power. And if you get rid of it, you're going to be losing power. You're going to be losing control. So what do you replace anger with? You replace it with the opposite spirit. What's the opposite of anger? It's love. It is so easy to do. So uh, let me rephrase that. It's the right thing to do. It's the logical thing to do. It seems simple, but it's the hardest thing that you can do. Number six, that we need to ask God to fill us with his love. God is love. You need to ask Him to fill you with that divine presence, that divine peace. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love verse, one I do at weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It is not envy. Love is not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrong. Should I say it again? Love is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrong. So if you love your spouse. Then you quit bringing up that thing that they did 20 years ago. Keeps no record of wrong. It moves on. It, it, It always hopes. It always believes. It always trusts. Anger will fail you, but love never fails. Anger will fail you. love never fails. I just made that up, by the way. It is just, just, just like just came to me. It's not, it's not in my notes. Romans fifteen five says, Patience and encouragement comes from God. Patience. Encouragement comes from God. And I pray God will help you all agree with one another the way that Christ wants us to. Like Jesus wants us to get along. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, you know what these are? Love is like the cornerstone of the whole set. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, forbearance, like sticking to it. And everybody's favorite, self-control. They all fall under the category of love. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, Wherever, whatever is in your heart, it's going to determine what you say and how you act. And how do you determine what is in your heart? This is the hardest thing that we do. This is loving God with all of our heart. Which is, which is the cross, which is your spiritual man, your spiritual person, your spiritual woman. Like, that's the part of us that we don't get. I can tell you all about how your soul is all jacked up just by looking at your emotional life. That's really easy for me to see the conditions of your souls. But your spirit, that's another game altogether. The spirit is the identity of us To God, we are made in his divine image and our spirit must indwell and tangle with and dance with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to love God with all of our hearts. The very core and essence of your spiritual person. You just need to ask God for his love in your in your heart. Maybe you don't have it in there yet, but I'm telling you, it's coming. It is coming. It's coming. God's love is going to win over. And he sees your faithfulness. He sees that you're drawn to the good things of the Lord and not all these judgmental things that the world would have us focus on. His law, the scriptures say, his law, the new law, is the law of love. I want to encourage you to let God love you. Even when you're angry, let God love you. Even when you're scared, let Him love you. Even when you are angry at God. Have you ever done that one? You get a few passes at that one, by the way. You get a few passes. Again, God can take it if you're angry about your situation at life. And if you think it's God's fault, he's a big boy. He can take it. But I'm challenging you right now that God is not the author of evil. As Kim declared earlier in the message today, God's not the author of evil. He's not. He is not orchestrating chaos to make your life miserable. He loves you. He wants you to step into peace and harmony. So we need to not blame God not blame God. Let's not get angry at him because our life has fallen apart. He has promised. He has promised. He has promised to put us back together. You'll put your life back together too. Stay faithful, stay true, and just see what God can do. Would you stand with me and let's pray. I, uh, I began this lesson with asking God for wisdom. If you ask God for wisdom, He will give it. And He gives generously. So He's going to give it to us. And then in the middle of His book, in chapter 3, verse 17, James says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure. It's pure. It's not tainted. Then it is peaceable. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now as your disciples, as people following after your own heart. Make us like David. We have a heart after God's own heart. And that heart is a heart of love and a heart of peace. Your word says, blessed are the peacemakers. So God, I pray right now in our home life that we will become peacemakers. We won't stir the pot. We won't try to get our pound of flesh. But we'll seek peace in our places of work. God, I pray that we will have honest conversations but be intentional of building bridges. I pray that in our places of higher education, that we look for conversations. Conversations for justice and unity and peace to move forward. But God, right now, most of all, as James has taught us, May we find the peace inside of our own souls. May we quit warring within ourselves. May we become that example, that icon of peace that brings pleasure to your heart. Build us and make us people of faith from the inside out, one by one, person by person. Help us to pull our own weeds, Lord. In your name. Amen.